Hey listeners, this has been The Amateur Exegete, and you're listening to episode 42 of Bible Study for Amateurs. Today's episode is Paul the Jew, Part 1. I need you to sit down for a moment, because I'm about to say something you might find shocking. The Apostle Paul was not a Christian. What do I mean by this? Stated simply, Paul was born a Jew and lived his entire life as a Jew. But, you retort, wasn't he also a follower of Jesus? Indeed, he was. Yet, this did not make him a Christian. Rather, Paul was a Jewish follower of Jesus. A distinction without a difference, you reply. Perhaps, but perhaps not. When we think about the Apostle Paul, we often come at him through the lens of later theological and historical developments. For example, He is sometimes cast as a convert from Judaism to Christianity. Alan Segal, in his famous work, Paul the Convert, the Apostolate and Apostasy of Saul the Pharisee, writes, In retrospect, Paul construes his first Christian experience as ecstatic conversion. Segal goes on to note that Paul was one whose view towards Torah radically changed following conversion. There are Christians he continues, whose faith in Christ only completed their previous belief in Judaism. But Paul is not one of these Jews. His conversion caused him to revalue his Judaism. Though Segal was a Jew writing about Paul, this understanding of Paul's shift to following Jesus is shared by many Christian theologians and laypersons as well. In many a Bible, one may find a heading in Acts chapter 9 that reads something like, The Conversion of Saul. If Paul converted from Judaism to Christianity, this then suggests some kind of discontinuity between the two. Mining the writings of Paul yields a bounty of gold when read from such a perspective. For example, when Paul writes that he regards as rubbish his Jewish heritage in Philippians chapter 3, including that he was, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is taken to mean that Paul considers Torah-keeping unnecessary for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. Similarly, when he says in Galatians chapter 3 that all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, this is understood as meaning that even Jews invite a curse upon themselves if they strive to keep Torah and follow Jesus. Hence, the Reformation cry of Solus Christus, Christ alone. But what if this reading of Paul is entirely wrong? What if we interpreted Paul in light of the Judaism he was born and raised in? Historian Paula Fredrickson takes this issue up in a 2022 piece she wrote for the Journal of Biblical Literature, entitled 
What does it mean to see Paul within Judaism? In it, she argues that Paul is best understood as one whose gospel message was not antithetical to Torah, but, in her words, provided much of its content. Fredrickson begins by briefly engaging with the ways in which Paul has been received in the last few centuries. There's the Paul who, as we noted at the beginning of this episode, abandoned Torah following his so-called conversion. This Paul was a proponent of Solus Christus, to the exclusion of Torah. Neither Gentiles nor Jews had any business following the law because Jesus had done away with it. This is essentially the Paul I grew up reading. This is something of the old perspective on Paul. Then along came scholars like E.P. Sanders, who, Fredrickson says, should have occasioned a major reset. Sanders' observation was that the Jews didn't think that keeping the Torah would provide salvation. In his book, Paul, the Apostles' Life, Letters, and Thought, Sanderson writes that, Jews are born in the covenant and are members of the chosen people. In order to gain eternal life, they should obey the commandments as best they could and atone for transgression. That is, they are born into the in-group, and all that they have to do is remain loyal to the covenant and to the God who gave it. Later, Sanders notes that when Protestant theologians attributed to Jews a legalistic attitude toward keeping Torah, they were poorly reading Paul and others. The Protestant idea of Jewish legalism is 100% wrong, he writes. It is, in his words, a Protestant invention. Scholars following Sanders created what has become known as the New Perspective. In their view, Paul was not against Torah observance per se, but against the more ethnically specific aspects of it, like circumcision, dietary laws, Sabbath observance, etc. These Paul rejected, at least on their reading. A newer New Perspective, what Fredrickson dubs New Perspective on Paul 2.0, posits that Paul didn't care what you did with Torah. Keep it if you want, or don't. This Paul, she writes, is Jewish, but not too Jewish. These views on Paul, the old perspective, the new perspective, and the new perspective 2.0, she places in the category of Paul within Protestantism. This Paul was born of anti-Catholic polemic during the Reformation, we do better to consider Paul within his native Judaism, wherein the Torah is not a category of Christian theology, but an aspect of ancient ethnicity, to quote Fredrickson. The term she uses is sungenea, kinship. This term was used throughout the Mediterranean to describe the ways in which people groups related to one another. And thus, Fredrickson writes, to figure out Paul's place within Judaism, we must first consider Paul's place within paganism. She begins with ancient conceptions of family. In the modern West, we often think of a family as husband, wife, and children, but not so in antiquity. Family could include a host of other persons. Clients, freedmen, slaves, often the extra-legal children of the Dominus, and the dead 
constituted the ancient family, joined by its domestic gods, she writes. These were your kin, but they weren't the only kin. People groups comprised one's family as well, such that ethnicity indicated relationship. And it wasn't only with people, but also with gods. To use Fredrickson's framework, family was not only horizontal, husband, wife, children, slaves, and people groups, but also vertical. In some instances, kinship could be construed as the product of divine intervention. A god may copulate with a human woman, and thereby produce the progenitor of an entire nation. But gods are fickle things. The slightest thing can set them off, and so people had to find ways to appease them. Fredrickson lists a few. Special days, special sacrifices, special clothing, special processions, special competitions, special food. Different gods, thus different people groups, had different, though often similar, practices collectively referred to as ancestral custom, she writes. And it was a combination of things. Gods, land, language, kinship, custom, per Fredrickson, that determined ethnicity. The God of Israel, however, was different. While Yahweh was a father, it wasn't because he had sex with an ancestor of ancient Israel. Rather, he had adopted Israel. His paternity, writes Fredrickson, was not genealogical, but effective and covenantal. That last word is important. A covenant is an agreement between two parties, and Israel was in a covenant with its God. The Torah was the means by which Israel could demonstrate their loyalty and love for God. He had chosen them to be his people, and he would be their God. Torah, therefore, wasn't a burden. It was a gift. To quote Paul at the beginning of Romans chapter 3, then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. For in the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Yahweh's non-sexual parentage set Israel apart from other ethnicities. So did the specific commands embedded in the Torah. They were, in Fredrickson's words, defining aspects of their ethnic identity, just as those of other peoples were for them. This is important, because religion and ethnicity were tightly bound together. The Jews kept Torah because this was their ethnic heritage. The Greeks didn't keep Torah because Yahweh had not made a covenant with them. They had their own gods, with their own demands. Jewish law, writes Fredrickson, was by definition the concern of Jews. Keeping Torah was important because, as with most other cultures' deities, displeasing their god could result in consequences in the here and now. The afterlife, however conceived, was hardly a concern. What mattered most was the day before them, not the days that followed. But what of the boundaries between ethnicities? What was a Jew? That is a topic Fredrickson addresses next, but one that we will look at in the next episode.
That's all the time we've got this week. See you next time. And remember, in the words of Richard Elliott Friedman, one does not need to deny what is troubling about the Bible in order to pay respect to what is heartening. Thanks for listening.